Good morning. Oh, I am so excited this morning to be here. Happy Mother's Day to all you moms out there. Uh, such a special day that, that we set aside. Today's sermon is, um, is unique for me because it is a Mother's Day sermon. I typically don't do Mother's Day or Father's Day sermons. Uh, I take the time in the service to, to recognize moms and dads, but uh, usually we have a gift or something like that. We're not together right now, so that was just an impossibility. And so, uh, instead of that, I am doing a Mother's Day sermon. But, luckily for us, we've just started our series, uh, And God Created Woman, the Great and Not-So-Great Women of the Bible. We've just started it. And because we just started it, we get to find out pretty quickly uh, that this this sermon will fit nicely in this because it deals with a mom that's that's not as well known, um, and so we are are there today. You know, I heard a, a story one time of a young preacher who was asking advice from an older preacher. Uh, he was going to have his first sermon at his new church, and he wanted an an introduction that would just grab their attention. He wanted to grab their attention and hold it. He wanted it to be something that would make them go, wow, now this guy can really preach. So the old preacher said, I know one that has always worked for me. It'll work great for you. He said, you start off by saying, some of the best days of my life I spent in the arms of another man's wife. And then pause. Look around as the congregation takes it in and begins to wonder. And then you say, my mother. It's a great illustration. It works every time. But don't forget to pause for effect and always remember to finish the joke. Well, the day came and the preacher was excited and he had two problems. First, he was really, really, really nervous. You know, it was it was his first sermon, so he was nervous. And the second was he hadn't told his wife about the introduction, about the joke that he was going to tell. And so he gets up and he clears his throat, straightens that collar. <clears throat> he says, some of the best years of my life I've spent in the arms of another man's wife. And then he paused for effect. But... About the time he was going to give the punchline, his wife, who was a little hot-natured, maybe a redhead, stood up and started toward the pulpit. Um, he panicked, didn't know what to do. He, he kept thinking, oh my gosh, what, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? How can I do this? How can I do this? He could not remember the punchline. So he said the joke again. Some of the best days of my life I have spent in the arms of another man's wife. All the while, he's hoping the punchline's going to come to him. All the while, his wife is getting closer and closer and closer. And so he says it again. Some of the best days of my life I spent in the arms of another man's wife. And for the life of me, I cannot remember who that woman was. I hope today that we remember and recognize our mothers. Um, we should not forget who these women are in our lives. You know, mothers play an integral part in our lives. They play a part that um, we, we, cannot, we cannot throw aside. They carry us for nine months in the womb. They give birth to us. They wake up at night to, to change us and to feed us. They, they comfort us and they counsel us as we, as we grow and become young adults and, and so much more as we get older. You know, mothers should never be forgotten. But unfortunately, there are some mothers who are lesser known than others. Um, when we think about biblical mothers, 
We know about Mary, and we know about Hannah, and we know about Sarah. We know about Timothy's mother. Uh, we know about the woman of Proverbs 31. But this morning, I want to speak of the example of another mother found over in the book of 2 Samuel, in 2 Samuel 21, a mother by the name of Rizpah. Now, uh, you may, if you follow along in our, our morning Bible readings, you may have heard this name. You may know this name. Uh, but you may not remember how you know this name. Uh, there was a famine in the land of Israel for three successive years. So for three years, there has been a famine. And David finally decides he is going to ask the Lord why there has been a famine. He wants to know, God, why is there a famine? And so God's reply comes to him, it's because Saul put the Gibeonites to death. Now, Saul had broken a promise to the Gibeonites. He, he hadn't done what he was supposed to do. And so David called the Gibeonites to him, and he asked, what can I do to make things right? And what they say to him is, we want you to take seven of Saul's male descendants, and we want them to be killed and exposed before the Lord. Well, David grants the request. David says yes, and, and he gives them what they've asked for. And as part of these seven, David kills Mephibosheth, and Armoni, the sons of this woman named Rizpah. Now, Rizpah was a concubine of Saul. And so here you find Rizpah in a, in a different situation because as a concubine, she has all the, the responsibilities of a wife, but none of, the, none of the honor that comes from being in that role. And so we find her story in 2 Samuel 21, Starting in verse 10, it's just four short verses, and there it says, Rizpah, I's daughter, took sackcloth and spread it out for herself on the rock from the beginning of the harvest until the rain poured down from heaven on the bodies. She kept the birds of the sky from them by day and the wild animals by night. When it was reported to David what Saul's concubine Rizpah, the daughter of I, had done, he went and got the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan from the leaders of Jabesh Gilead. They had stolen them from the public square of Beth Shan, where the Philistines had hung the bodies the day the Philistines killed Saul at Gilboa. David had the bones brought from there. They gathered up the bones of Saul's family, who had been hung, and buried the bones of Saul and his sons Jonathan at Zelah, in the land of Benjamin, in the tomb of Saul's father Kish. They did everything the king commanded. After this, God answered prayer for the land. Let's pray this morning. Father God, we come to you right now, and we thank you, we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask this morning as we seek to honor mothers, Father, that you give us insight from your word about how we can best honor them and what a godly mother is like. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus, and for his sake. And all God's people said, amen. Guys, uh, you know, as you read that story, it's a heartbreaking story. Again, she was a concubine. She wasn't a true wife. She was a concubine. So she had all the responsibilities but 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 none of the none of the legacy, none of the honor, and now she has these children who who are Saul's. Um, but David, as part of this agreement, kills her children, and so she has now been made a childless widow with nothing. She has no place to live because Saul's no longer king. She has no children to take care of her because because David has had them killed. All of these things that are happening, and so what does she do? Well, she goes. And, 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 she, and, and she shows something that we need to know about mothers today. And the first thing we need to know is that a godly mother never stops caring. She loves her children. 
Rizpah has been made a childless widow. She's the lowest on the scale. She is a ward of the state. Nowhere to live, no, no, no money to make, no one to take care of her, no family to speak of. She is utterly alone. But what she knows is she loves her children. She could have withdrawn and felt sorry for herself. She could have went off to live by herself and given up and just lived out her days. But instead, she didn't do that. Instead, she chose to tend to the remains of her children. Now, that's an amazing thought. It's an amazing story if you think about it. She couldn't help them in any way. She couldn't bring them back to life. She, she couldn't make them see again. She would never hear their voices or, or their laughter again. But her love would not allow her to simply walk away. Her love would not allow her to simply say, okay, their lives are done and move on. Her love wouldn't allow her to do that. She was going to take care of her children even in death. You know, by law, she couldn't touch the bodies. By law, people who died that way were not allowed a proper funeral. She couldn't do much, but she was going to do what she could. Godly mothers never stop caring. You know, there are mothers like that in every part of society today, right? Mothers who give their all for their children. Mothers who go hungry so their child can eat. Mothers who, who give organs so their child can live. A, a godly mother simply puts her child's needs in front of her own. And it doesn't stop. The love of a mom never stops. The love a mom has for her children, it doesn't stop because, because they've acted unwisely, because they've done things she doesn't agree with. A mother's love continues on, and, and it never quits. You know, she puts her whole life on hold, Rizpah does, and, and just, just to take care of bodies. Mothers today are the same way. They put their whole life on hold, just like Rizpah, who, who instead of leading their life do other things, Rizpah could have led her life. She could have went off and said, well, you know, I've got nothing better to do. Let me go live my life. Instead, she puts out sackcloth, below the bodies of her children, and she lays there. Now, a godly mother may not be able to do much, but she's going to do what she can do. And so that's what Rizpah does. She couldn't do what she wanted to do. She couldn't bring them back to life. She couldn't get justice for her children. She couldn't do the things any mother would want to do. But what she was going to do was she was going to do the things she knew she could do. And a godly mother is, is one who is so caring, it never stops, and they're going to continue on to do those things. But not only that, godly mothers are courageous. She has courage. She's brave. Now, why would I say that? Well, she couldn't touch her sons. She couldn't cover the bodies. Um, she couldn't give them a burial. She couldn't make sure um, that that things were how she wanted them to be. She, she couldn't bury them. She couldn't do what she wanted to do. She couldn't make them well. But what she could do is she could stand against those who opposed them. She could keep the animals from their bodies. And that wasn't an easy task. This was the desert. She was fighting off buzzards. She was fighting off dogs. She was fighting off lions. She was fighting off other birds. She was fighting off other animals that we don't even want to think about. She stood there and slept there and stayed there day in and day out fighting off the elements, fighting off the people. And she stood against all of these things. A simple woman by herself. She stood in courage 
against the animals and against society. Can you imagine the ridicule she faced? Can you imagine the things that were said to her? Just leave them be. You know, they can't be buried. The king's done this. You have no rights. How long do you think you can last at this? How long do you think you can keep going? You're going to die one of these days, and then what's going to happen? Just leave them be. Go about your life and just deal with what's been done. But a godly mother has the courage to stand. She has the courage to take a stand for her children and for what's right for her children. Today, a godly mother may stand for her child's right to carry their Bible in school. You know, we don't have that problem here. But in other parts of America, there are, there are schools that don't want you to carry your Bible at school. And some godly mothers have stood up for that right. And they stand in front of courtrooms. They stand in front of, in front of school boards. They stand and say, my child has this right. Godly mother may stand alone against the evil practices being forced upon her children. You know, we, we, we are very um, concerned and aware of what our children watch. And so when things come on the television we don't want them to see, that series then becomes something we no longer watch. But I will say Carrie's line is a lot stricter than my line. Carrie will stand against things that I haven't even thought about. Because godly mothers stand against the evil that's trying to come across against their children. A godly mother may stand at the door of her house and keep away the beasts of the field that ravage our country today. Drugs, greed, homosexuality, all sorts of things that 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 are, are in our country that our country wants to tell us this is okay and she will stand at the door of her house and say no you cannot have my children godly mothers simply are not afraid to stand for the rights and needs of their children you know those bodies didn't really have any rights but that mama saw a need and what did she do she stood courageously by herself to fight against those who would come against those bodies. So godly mothers are courageous. But not only that, godly mothers are committed. They have perseverance. Um, she had perseverance. Rizpah never went home. It said she laid her sackcloth down at the beginning of the harvest and she was there until the rains began, until the rains came. Well, there was a famine, which means that there was a drought, which we don't know how long she was there. She was there a long time. She didn't go home. She didn't, she didn't take a break. She didn't do anything else. She stayed there underneath her children. This wasn't, this wasn't a day. This was, this was a time period. This wasn't just some small protest. This was, this was what she was devoting her life to. She never turned her back on her kids. She was there to do a job, and she was intent on doing that job. Her sons were dead. And there was no way she was going to abandon them now. It wasn't going to happen. Godly mothers today are also committed. They're committed to a better world for their children. They're going to stand up for things that others won't. 
They're committed to make sure the world's a better place for their kids. They're committed to getting justice for the wrongs that are committed against their family. There was a day, there was a day, a warning for, for teachers maybe today, I don't know. There was a day and I was in second grade, still one of my favorite teachers to this day. But I went to Smithville Elementary in, in Richland Hills, Texas, North Richland Hills. And um, my teacher, Miss Thompson, stepped out of the room. And she made this statement. She said, do not talk. Because she was out in the hall talking to another teacher. Well, I didn't talk. Me and the girl in front of me, we, we looked at each other. And we sat down and we began doing our work. The rest of the room erupted. It, it started very softly. But it got louder and louder and louder and louder. And she looked in the door and she said, I said, hush. And so that was it. Everybody got quiet again. But when she came back in, she said, okay, raise your hand if you didn't talk while, you were, while I was out of the room. And so me and the girl in front of me very honestly raised our hand. Nobody else did, but we did. And we were made to write a hundred sentences. I will not talk when the teacher's out of the room because we raised our hand because she just knew we were lying. And I went home and I was so upset. I cried my eyes out to my mama. And guess what happened the next day? Mama got up. She took me to school. I'd always walk myself to school there. She took me to school. She went in to see Miss Thompson. And she said, wait a minute. Mama was going to get justice for me. Mama was going to get justice for her baby. You know, godly mothers are committed to justice and equality and fairness for their kids. They're committed also, though, to God because of his provisions, because of his excellent greatness. A godly mother says, you know what, I'm committed to God and I will do what God has called me to do. They're, they're committed to, to what is right because their children all deserve the best. Rizpah is a clear example of, of this commitment. She never gave up. It had to seem hopeless, right? She's battling the beasts of the field and the elements over the bodies of her children. It's one woman against all the animals and the birds. It's one woman against all Jewish law. It's one woman who simply could not give up on her children. It was her perseverance in this act of love that, that caught David's attention. Somebody just happened to say, David, man, David, did you hear? Did you hear about that, David? That Saul's concubine. He, uh, she, she, he's dead. You killed her sons. They're, they're, they're part of the seven bodies. She's set up camp underneath them, David. She's laying there on sackcloth in the morning, and she's fighting the animals away. She hasn't gone anywhere. And David heard about it. And because David heard about it, it was her commitment there that finally won the proper burial for her children. It just goes to show that the commitment of a loving mother can accomplish many things. When a mother is committed to doing the things that her children need, the world changes. You know, this morning, I'm thankful for, for the many godly mothers who are in my life, and I hope you are too. Um, this sermon is, is, is not a call to action. Um, we're not going to have a, an invitation, per se. It's not about evangelism, and it's not about changing the way we do things. Well, maybe it is. This sermon's about learning how to be thankful for our mothers. 
maybe the mothers hearing this sermon today have a new goal or example that they want to try to live up to. That's fine. Maybe maybe some mothers who, like Rizbah, have been forgotten can now feel appreciated um, for the things she does. Maybe other mothers will, will take this sermon in as a call to renew their uh, commitment to God. And, and all of those are, are wonderful, but that's not the result that I desire this morning. I desire for all of us to have a renewed appreciation for the mothers in our life. I desire that, that we would all stop and, and ask ourselves what would we would do without mothers like Rizpah who were loving and brave and committed. A mother is so much so much, so much more than just those things. She's all those things and so much more. Maybe this morning you, you've never had a mother like that. Maybe you're, you're whole hurt and upset because you didn't. One thing I want to say to mothers this morning, though, is I want you to know that wherever you're at, you're enough. We, we live in a society where... Um, Everything's so social, and there's so much entertainment, and we see all these celebrities and all this stuff, and sometimes there's this disparity between what you can do and what someone else can do. I, I want you to know, mothers, you are enough. I know my mom struggled with that in her life. My mom struggled with this idea as of, is she enough? You know, was she doing the right things? She struggled with that, and I want every mom out there to know that you're enough. That, that, that God has, has given you gifts and talents and, and he's given them to you. And whether you are the poorest woman in the world or the richest woman in the world, it's not the, the expense that you spend on your children. It's what you do for your children. Rizpah had nothing, but she loved her children immensely. You know, maybe this morning you've still been hurt because you haven't had a mother like that. Guys, there are godly mothers throughout churches in America who can fill that role. I love the fact that God's church is a family. And that's why I've never defined a mother as simply the woman who gave birth to me. Because a mother to me is someone who pours their life into the lives of those children around them. That's a mother. And some mothers never have physical children, biological children. Some mothers never adopt children legally. But they pour into the lives of those people around them and their mothers nonetheless. This morning as we go our separate ways, take time to thank God for your mother's both physical and spiritual. They're integral to our lives. They're, they're, on, they're one of the first ways we meet God. You know, I, I think there's a reason why God made sure that Jesus had a physical, biological mom. <laughs> because that bond is something that every child truly needs, is a mom. Guys, love on your moms today. Cook for them. Clean the house for them. Buy them flowers. Do something. Make sure that they know that they are special to you. 
Make sure that they know that, they, that they're appreciated, that they're enough, that they're more than enough, and that the blessings that they give you are more than you could ever ask for. To all you moms out there, happy Mother's Day. I thank God for each and every one of you, and I pray that you are blessed this week. Join with me now as we pray for our mothers. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you, we praise you for your blessings. Father, thank you for mom. Not just my mom, Father, but every mom out there. Every woman who ever holds that title. Whether it's physical, biological, adopted, or other just their presence in the life of a child. Father, bless mothers today. Give them a, a day to know that they are the treasures that you made them to be. Father, we thank you, we praise you for loving us, and we ask all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus, and for his sake. And all God's people said, amen. Guys, I love you. We are working hard and diligently trying to get things set up so we can be back together. Um, continue to pray that God opens that door. We will, we will be doing some new and exciting things here pretty soon. I am positive. So, until next time, love each other deeply from the heart. Love you guys. Have a great week.